Hi, I'm Dan Krinas, host of the Leader of Learning podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Everybody and welcome to another great episode of My EdTech Life. Thank you so much for joining us on this Tuesday evening. And of course, you know, usually we're Saturdays, usually we did Wednesdays, but hey, you know what? Again, like I always say, when the stars line up and you have an amazing guest, then you just make it happen. And of course, some of you may be saying, wait a minute, hold up. Didn't, wasn't she on on Saturday? It's like, yes. In fact, you are seeing Maggie Perkins, who did join us on Saturday. But due to a little bit of some technical difficulties as far as audio is concerned, we said, you know what? Let's just go ahead and re-record this episode. And you never know, you know, second time around. The, if you thought the conversation was great that on Saturday, the conversation could definitely go deeper today as far as just continuing on with uh, what we were talking about as far as healing burnout and finding that work-life balance. So again, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this evening. And Maggie, thank you so much for making the time and finding time to be able to be on the show again for the second time. I really appreciate that. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing so great. Thanks for letting me come back. Of course, of course, you know, and of course, why wouldn't I want to have you back? I mean, as it is, we did have such a great conversation and you have such an interesting story. And like I was mentioning to some of my friends, you know, these are the types of conversations. These are the types of stories that are really out there that are true, that a lot of people are seeing, but maybe a lot of people are very quiet about because, mm-hmm. of course, you know, there everybody might be just a little worried about what their district may say. And we'll touch a little bit about that because you did share some of that on Saturday. But again, for all of you guys that are joining us for the first time or going to be watching or just meeting Maggie for the first time, Maggie, if you don't mind giving us a little brief introduction and a little bit of your context in education and, uh, you know, we'll take it from there. Yeah, hi, my name is Maggie Perkins and on TikTok, I go by Millennial Miss Frizzle. That name started when I was still in the classroom teaching and I just kind of wanted to keep my name separate, but um, that's who I am. And so I was an educator for eight years, a classroom educator for eight years, primarily in middle school and high school a little bit and ELA and social studies pretty equally split. And um, I did my master's degree in educational theory and practice when I was teaching full time. And then uh, right at the start of the pandemic, I left classroom education to start my Ph.D. And um, I'm like, I have one class left and then comps and dissertation. So someday I'll finish it, uh, I hope. And I don't know what I'm going to like do with it um, because I've transitioned. But yeah, and then I, I left teaching in um, this past summer, and I've been able to speak about it pretty openly since then, since I have left. Excellent. So yeah, so I mean, and for all of you guys that are uh, catching the show, I mean, I stumbled upon Maggie's profile, you know, on TikTok and just really, you know, started listening to her content and listening to the conversations, listening to what she's sharing, because I mean, she is one of many voices that are out there on TikTok and really sharing 
their personal experience and their personal personal journey through this as I've seen many of my friends that are in a similar situation and people that I've been able to connect with on TikTok just sharing their stories and so Maggie thank you so much again as you know being here because I, I would love for you just to share a little bit about your experience um, as far as you know these last let's say maybe three years you know when the you know everything closing down what happened, you know, as far as, you know, maybe feeling overwhelmed, not getting that support. And then interestingly enough, also, we'll touch a little bit about your transition, you know, because that was one of the TikToks that I saw recently that I was like, oh, wow, I had no clue. So let's let's go back, first of all, because, you know, one of the, my favorite segments, too, is just hearing that origin story. And so Maggie, I'm going to ask you, I know that you said you've transitioned from education. However, my question is always to my guest is, was education the track that you knew uh, that you wanted to follow? Or was it something that later you transitioned into? And then you kind of, you know, fell, I guess, into it and maybe started falling in love with it for a while while you were working. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I knew I wanted to be a teacher when I was in high school, you know, deciding where to go to college, I wasn't just looking at which universities I wanted to go to. I was literally looking at the College of Education at those universities. And I knew even specifically I wanted to study middle grades education. And so it's always been there for me. Um, I went straight through university knowing that I wanted to be a middle school teacher. I earned a degree in middle grades education. And I went straight into teaching middle school and I was very happy doing that. Um, I think it's possible to be very happy doing something while also burning out from it. Like you can love something and recognize it's taking a lot from you. That's yeah, very interesting. That kind of hit me right now. Like, wow. You know, and I never really thought about that. I, I know I've kind of heard some people share a little bit about that, but you saying it right now, it just kind of brings that back to the forefront. So if you don't mind, you know, maybe kind of just sharing your little experience, your not little, but I mean, a little bit of yeah. your experience and what you mean by that, because maybe there might be some educators out there that may be wondering, like, why am I kind of feeling like this? And maybe they just can't explain it because it, they just don't have anybody either to open up to or are just really worried to bring this up because of course we all know that there's always eyes and ears and of course you know in the era of, of social media you know everything that's out there is out there so tell us a little bit about what your experience was with that yeah so i was i was teaching you know sixth grade english and i was putting in every single hour that i thought was going to benefit my students even if i was pushing 60 70 hour weeks i was there early I was there late. I, there were so many days where I joked about, you know, I'm watching the sunrise from my classroom and the sunset. And I know a lot of teachers have that experience. I had a full theme in my classroom. It wasn't like this boho cowboy stuff that we're doing now. It was like the nerd themes. Like I was doing Harry Potter classroom, like all just like what made me happy. And I spent hours and hours and hours like curating that space. I gave quality feedback on student essays, like I just gave and gave and gave and I enjoyed it. And then people were like, you know, we're going to do this adventure race and some of the kids are going. I was like, I'm there. Like, let's do it. Or, you know, we need chaperones for the dance. And I was like, I want to go to the dance. Like, let's do it. And I was just constantly giving to my school just of myself. And I was slowly giving up parts of me that I enjoyed. Like I used to run half marathons and do CrossFit. And like I did, like I had hobbies. And then as I progressed into my teaching career, those things really slipped away and I just became 
teacher was my entire identity. And I validated my worth on how good of a teacher I was. And that was it. That's all I had going for me was being a good teacher. Wow. You know, and that's very interesting that you mentioned all of those things because, you know, being in the classroom for 11 years, it, it wasn't something that I kind of fell into, you know, and understanding like, you know, I came in from marketing and then I fell into education. But th what you're saying, it, it was just something that kind of just slowly crept up now that you're mentioning and reflecting on that. It just slowly creeps up on you where, like you said, you know, I'm leaving you know, school, I'm leaving element, like Friday afternoon, you know, it's already dark out, you know, leaving there with the custodians just to get ready, you know, for everything for Monday. And I remember taking pictures of myself saying, Hey, you know, got done ready for the weekend. And mm -hmm. now I'm looking back to those things and I'm like, geez, you know, what, what happened, you know, and I, you never really see until like later on that you start reflecting on those things, how really immersed you can become as far as taking, you know, part of these activities, like you said, you know, yeah. can you chaperone the school dance? Can you chaperone this? Can you chaperone that? And then, you know, one of the things was being the single guy or the single teacher. It's mm -hmm. like, hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do that? Because because yeah. so and so can't because they've got, you know, their kid at home or they've got this. Well, yeah, but like you mentioned, it's like I've got hobbies, too, you know, but they don't take those things into consideration. So it, was that something that, you know, it was part of your experience as well? Yeah. And that was definitely a shift. I, you know, for the first three years that I was teaching, I was just like giving my whole self to teaching. Right. But then um, I got pregnant with my first daughter. And when, and that whole year I was, I was pregnant and I was, I was still teaching, but I was like, I'm going to have to give this up. I'm going to have to give up the staying late in the clubs and all that. Because as soon as I had my baby and she was in daycare, because we don't have paid maternity leave in the United States, um, <laughs> I was, you know, leaving school the moment bus dismissal ended because I had to go get her. So I didn't get charged late fees from the daycare. And also so that I could be home at 630 with her and see her until 730 because she was a newborn. And I would get one hour a day with my own child after spending eight hours a day with someone else's children. But then also realizing as I transitioned into like having boundaries because of my motherhood, that all of my years prior, I had just been imposed upon by my school and taken advantage of really because they were like, she doesn't have kids, she's available. Just because somebody doesn't have kids doesn't mean that they're just universally available for the school to use. Like we need to respect everyone's life outside of their contract hours, regardless of whether they have a reason that's like valued by the administration. You know, and that's something that is so important, you know, the, those boundaries and, you know, coming into myself being a teacher and, and I think even myself coming from that business background and being so, I guess, ingrained with customer service and customer service. I mean, for me coming into this job, it was all about customer service. And in this case, it was my students, all my 30 students, they were, they were my students, but at the same time, they're my customers because I had to sell to them the subject matter in a different matter, personalize it and, you know, make it to where they can understand. But on top of that, then you've got parents and dealing with that. And it's all customer service, customer service. So if they email you, it's like, oh, I better reply quick because it's customer service. And so that I think too was something that again, I found myself immersed into that, that, I mean, I was answering emails like, you know, 9 PM and I was answering emails, you know, as soon as they would come in and then started answering emails on weekends and doing all of that. And then all of a sudden 
you know, it's like, wait a minute, like what's going on, you know, and, and you kind of have to, you know, set those boundaries and say like, Hey, you know what, maybe after a certain time I need to just really, you know, say, Hey, you know, work stays at work. And if this is something that is an absolute emergency, then of course I will definitely answer. But if it's something that can possibly wait till, you know, the following morning, because I really can't do anything about it, then, you know, start waiting there. But it took a long time to really kind of shift my mindset to say that, it's okay to not answer like the yeah. email right away at 9 PM and, and kind of just say like, okay, that can wait, we'll take care of it. But man, yeah, it really is a uh, very overwhelming. And another thing that you mentioned, you know, uh, being able to, or actually saying yes to a lot of these things, it means you're actually saying no to something else. And I remember on Saturday conversation really broke my heart like when you said you know you missed out on a lot of firsts yeah. you know with your babies and you know so talk to me a little bit about that as far as now kind of that shift of you know you're coming into the classroom creating that space like you said and I'm sure you came in even before contract hours so you can yeah. go ahead and decorate all that your room and do all yeah. of that but talk to me then when it kind of just kind of finally started hitting you like wait a minute like I need, I need to prioritize here. It really was only because I had my daughter and like it, that forced me to at least leave on time. I was still sometimes getting there early um, and taking work home, but it, that was, so that was like, if there was a timeline of this, teachers love a timeline. Um, having my daughter would have been the beginning of having boundaries and I was leaving on time, but then I still took work home. So we're kind of in a zone there where I'm working at home. Um, but then I stopped bringing work home and I would kind of like make it look like I was still working late because I was also in grad school. So I wanted my administrators to think that I was like trying, like, you know, like keeping up with the Joneses, the teacher version of keeping up with the Joneses. You know, other teachers are staying late, so I'm going to stay late. But I was doing grad school. So I was there an extra hour, but I was working on grad school. Um, and I would bring in, I used to bring home, you know, huge like crates of work and backpacks of work. And so then I stopped bringing that back and forth and I would just still carry the backpack. And then I kind of weaned myself off of that and I would just carry a purse. And then I got to a point finally where I was just walking in with like my coffee, my keys and my phone. And that feeling was very empowering, but also kind of put a, a target on my back because it was obvious she's showing up on time and she's leaving on time and she's not taking work home. And so it was like, she's not doing enough, meaning I'm not doing extra. And feeling that shift from my administration was always an icky feeling. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, uh, you know, as far as your administration, was it that you started maybe during a different administration and then it switched over to a different leader? Or was that you started with the same leader? And then of course, that's the same person that, you know, like you said, you felt like was looking at you and really just being scrutinizing of the way you're coming in and leaving. Yeah, I've experienced it um, both ways. So a shift in leadership, yes. Um, also, so then I left that school and at a new school I started and I was, you know, so it was the one set of leadership the whole way through. And I slowly throughout that year had more boundaries and the so the person they thought they hired was somebody who was going to stay late, show up early, sign up for all the activities, you know, and then as I started recreating those boundaries, I began to get feedback from them like, we need you to be a team player or, you know, so-and-so is doing this or we expect everyone to pitch in. And I was just like, 
yeah, I can tell this is not going to be a good fit for me long term. Yeah. And, and, you know, usually, and the only reason I ask is because I did um, hear or comment on a TikTok where they said, you know, everything was going great, but then all of a sudden, you know, the principles changed. Yeah. And of course, you know, they, there's a shift and not every leader is the same. Then of course that culture changes and that has to do a lot of, you know, with the leader that you have. And so I think that's why I ask, cause that, that's something that's very important. And luckily I did have some amazing leaders and then, you know, that I, I can't really speak ill of and I always felt supported but you know now that I hear the stories such as yourself and you know even my friends that are currently in the classroom stating you know it's kind of like hey you know you're not being a team player you're not doing this but wait a minute I mean but contractually this is where we're at and then of course well other duties is assigned and I'm like but other duties as assigned should be something that is tied to your current role not other duties as assigned and saying, okay, now you're going to go ahead and do this and do this, which is not part of your role. And so sometimes, you know, I, I've had some friends that are like, well, I mean, I, I have to do it because they don't want to let down their boss or be that one person that is not pitching in per se. Yeah. I think other duties as assigned is my least favorite phrase in like almost all of education because it's just used as a catch-all to get everyone and they're like oh you have to do the concession stand at the baseball game what no i don't even coach baseball it's your other duties as assigned like the way that administrators flex that is exasperating and it's it's really like honestly it's predatory and i because they know what are you going to do push back on this vague statement that everyone has put into their contracts it's just so frustrating in hindsight i can't believe i never like pushed back on that yeah. And I agree with you. There's definitely a lot of people that won't push back because the same thing, you know, you don't really don't want to rock the boat and, you know, just start all sorts of things. But now going back a little bit, like you mentioned, you know, being compared to other teachers. So just because another teacher is leaving late and, mm -hmm. you know, they they seem like they're working now, are they really working? But then they compare you to that person saying like, hey, well, they're leaving at this time. And I see that you're leaving on time. Okay. You know, so yeah. what's wrong with leaving on time? You know, you've got other priorities. You have life outside of work too. Like you said, you have your daughter, you have your family and mm -hmm. so on. And I think sometimes people may wear that as a badge of honor. Like, oh, I stayed yes. up or I stayed here till 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. I'm like, mm -hmm. mm, what are we missing out on here then outside yeah. of work? Yeah, that's a really important thing. It's it's literally called the teacher martyr complex. It It's like, it's a phrase. And it's when you value yourself based on how much you're suffering for it. And this is, this is present within motherhood too. There's present in a lot of industries, but the teacher martyr complex, I think is especially problematic because as teachers, we kind of have this code where we watch out for other teachers, right? So it's, it's um, bad for me to say, if you're a teacher martyr, I think that's problematic because it means I'm like betraying those teachers. And those teachers would say that my lack of effort is, you know, showing that I don't love the kids enough. And then we get into all types of gaslighting here and this emotional connection to like how valuable we are at our jobs based on how much we overextend ourselves. And the teacher martyr complex is also problematic because from that mind frame, if I'm a teacher martyr, it says, I think I'm raising the bar of quality. I'm raising the bar. I'm making the standards higher. 
but what it's really doing is it's raising the bar of comparison and we're unfairly comparing a teacher doing her job to another teacher also doing her job. And then in the end, I don't know who wins. It's certainly not the person who's working a 60 hour week. And it's also not the person who's getting judged for working a 40 hour week. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. And this is something that, you know, I, I noticed. And of course, you know, when, when lockdown happened, you know, many of us, we did have to put in those extra hours, you know, and so on. But it just seemed like, for a while, even after that, it was, that was still the expectation. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like we're kind of coming back to some sense of normalcy here. So there shouldn't be a reason why I need to keep working up until 10 PM, you yeah. know? And then of course, then that happens. Well, this person's staying till 10 PM and you know, what are you doing? Because you're already, you know, clocked out at five. It's like, yeah. well, that's my normal work day, yeah. you know, and that's it. But you know, it, and so, yeah, and I agree with you, you know, that really does hurt the, hurt us, you know, within our school, of course, that hurts us altogether, you know, because, you know, you're basing things on comparison. And, um, you know, it's definitely not something that is very healthy at all whatsoever. So I agree with you on that. So Maggie, now with all of the experience that you've had, and you've mentioned just some examples here, Mm -hmm. the best, you know, and and I know now you've transitioned, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But at least during that time, what were some of the ways that you were trying to, I know you mentioned setting some boundaries, but to cope with what was happening. And if you can just give us some examples of maybe some boundaries that you say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to set these for myself just for my own personal health. And just yeah. to make sure that I can at least finish off the year and, and at least give my best. So what are some things that you had to do and adjustments that you made? Absolutely. The, using the word cope was really important. I'm glad you used that word because um, sometimes when I have this conversation, I say like healthy boundaries, but when, and, but then what I describe, it's not actually healthy boundaries. It's just coping with a bad situation and coping isn't healthy. It's just what we do to survive. Right. So the things I've done to cope, um, I learned most of this from Jen on TikTok. She's, I think her handle is the strategic classroom or teacher time tips, but She's phenomenal. And she talks about contract hours and boundaries. And um, so I learned from her, you know, how to kind of wean myself off of taking work home. Um, Also taking my school email off of my phone. She's like, you don't, your school isn't paying for that phone and they're not paying for your hours beyond your contract. So don't use your personal device for that. And that helped me to not check that email at 9, 10 PM where a parent is like, why does Ryan have a 98 and not a 100? You know, like those emails. Um, So yeah, taking, weaning myself off of the work I bring home, taking my phone like that. And then um, also having interests outside of school. So like for me, TikTok is a hobby. I just enjoy posting it and engaging on it. And um, so like putting a little bit more effort and creativity into that has been really enjoyable for me. So it means that I can't spend all my time teaching because I also have to you know, have family life and time for hobbies and things too. Oh, you know, and those are so important, like you said, and I really do enjoy those tips that you did share. Cause right now I was just thinking to myself, man, you know, many years when it's still in the classroom, like I said, I, I was constantly checking my email and even, you know, when I got married, because I was so ingrained, I got married, my wife, I mean, we were at a restaurant, it's on a Saturday and I'm just constantly checking until finally she said too, it's like, Hey, you know, what's going on. And it was always work, 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 work. And so slowly I had to 
really understand and realize like, hey, you know, like I said, going back to learning, like when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something and, you know, yes. really taking care of that. So, yeah, so those are definitely some very important tips to be able to have and just setting those boundaries. So now, you know, going back to teaching, if I may ask, what if, and if you want to share about this, what was that defining moment where you said, okay, this is it the, up to here. This is all I can take. And I need to go ahead and just step back and step mm -hmm. out. Yeah. I'm trying to think about how much of this I can share. Um, so there was a, a really harmful, there was a teacher at my school who said and did things that were very harmful and um, said them to the entire school at an assembly, basically. And some of the students came in my classroom later and I, you know, comforted them and corrected the thing that that person had said. And then other students who were very much on that person's side kind of blew it up and got their parents involved in it. And um, my administrators told me that I needed to find a way to publicly make amends with this person. And so it shifted. And the things this person said were deeply misogynistic deeply problematic. And I was expected to make an apology, not just to this person, but publicly. So the whole community would be like, she's apologized. Everything is good between them. And it was a stunt. It was going to be a stunt. And I was not willing to compromise on that. And when my administration figured out that I wasn't going to compromise on that, it, it all went downhill very quickly. Um, yeah, it's still like, and there was other things going on too, but it's still pretty raw and it all revolved around like that one person in that incident and the students who petitioned against me too, to be fair. Wow. Yeah. So then, and so then after that, that just kind of just said, you know what, this is the moment where I kind of just have to say, okay, this is it. <laughs> yeah, so it was on. the true, it was the true colors of not just that school, but really as teaching as a whole, again, I see this on my comment section all the time, just where Teachers are not believed. Teachers are not trusted. Administration is continuously aligning itself with parents and students and teachers are not treated as professionals, both in their content and in their ability to developmentally support adolescents. Like that's what we specialize in is content and supporting adolescents, um, you know, especially as middle and high school teachers. And if we're not trusted, then like we are replaceable. And that's what we're seeing too, is like, we are replaceable. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Now, you did make a comment uh, on Saturday, and I absolutely love the way that you put it. And I was like, this is going to be like such an amazing soundbite and so on. And I really tried my best. But you mentioned something, and hopefully you can remember, but it was kind of like going towards you mentioning uh, just what you see the future of education moving towards, which was, you know, yeah, no more teachers, proctor and come in and just open up your Chromebook and do that. So can you, like, you know, talk a little bit about that description because it was, it was so great the way that you eloquently put it. Yeah, I'll do my best. So I really do see a shift happening in education where the professionals in the room, the people who specialize in education, teachers who are certified and have background in all of this are going to increasingly leave and the people who they're going to be replaced by are less trained, less experienced, but also going into worse conditions. And so the turnover rate is going to continue to remain high. And that's going to destabilize the education system even further. 
And so what's going to happen eventually is those positions won't be hireable. And so you might have emerging initially of just two class periods, but then it'll get larger. There'll be auditoriums, gymnasiums, just proctor type sessions where kids are in a room on a Chromebook. They're watching, learning content being delivered online by somebody who is not there with them, somebody who doesn't know their name, and they're being proctored by somebody who is not a teacher, it's just an adult in the room. And the kids will be in essentially a holding cell during the day. And it's just incredibly depressing to think, you know, someone's going to go the entire day, the entire week with no one saying their name. Just wow. The human aspect of this is just being drained. And also like kind of a side note I didn't say on Saturday is that I feel really unsafe about those holding cell type situations, whether it's a classroom of 50 students or 150, because our schools are not secure. And if somebody comes into that situation intending to do harm, it's a fish in a barrel moment. And that really scares me. I have a pre-K student and, you know, I was a teacher and just the amount of times we've run through those scenarios and seen it. It's, it's really, really heartbreaking to think how much worse it could be. Yeah, yeah no, I agree with you there. Uh, and like you said, I just love, well, it's the way you described it. It just really stunned me because I hadn't even thought about that far ahead because I know that we just saw a wave of teachers leaving, you know, teachers transitioning. And this is going along in various districts, of course. And, you know, you did mention that it, it is going to get a lot worse before it even gets a lot better. And so it just seems very like industrial revolution, like where oh, yeah. kids come in and of course, like you mentioned, and that's the one thing that I love that you said, it's just 21st century industrialization. And then you just hear the bell, you go on to your next cell or classroom yeah. per se. Then it's just you, that factory model. Yeah. And we're just shuffling kids through like they're pieces of a machine and it's, it's not going to be school as a place of learning. It's going to be school as a place that just functions to process stuff. Like it's so mechanical and I really think it's going to happen very soon. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Like I, the current like idea of how school works, I think we've got like two to three more years in this. And then like after this, I mean, it's kind of like an economy bubble bursting too. Like I think the education bubble is going to burst and when people realize like, oh my gosh, like this is so much worse than we thought it is, that's a little too late. Like right now, five years ago is when we need to be fixing this, not in five years from now when the bubble has burst. Most definitely. So Maggie, talk to me a little bit now, you know, as far as your transition. I mean, obviously you decided to step away from education. Would you mind sharing? I know you you shared it on TikTok, but at least with our guests or audience members, as far as the transition was concerned, uh, what industry, uh, you know, did you move into from education? Yeah. So I'll spoil it and I'll give a little bit of background. I work at Costco and I love it. Um, I grew up going to Costco's and if you don't go to cost, if you don't know, Costco is like a, a warehouse type bulk, you know, items store and everyone there is happy and like the products are amazing. It's just a great environment. And so like growing up, I was always like, I'll work at Costco someday. Um, and then our, our town has been wanting a Costco for years and years. And they finally started building one. And this was in the midst of my transition. And my husband was kind of jokingly like, you should apply for a job there. And I was like, okay. And um, so I did. And I mean, they pay really well. Like I'm making the same as I did as a teacher. And um, it's just so great. So specifically what I do is member services. So I'm explaining like, 
you know, what the store is about. And um, I'm doing a lot of teaching and patience and data entry and just like attention to detail and all of these things, my soft skills as a teacher. And it just translates so well. And I, I love being there. I will say though, I never thought that would be like my career. Um, I had imagined that my transition from teaching would be more education adjacent, like content, um, I mean, like curriculum development or instructional design, something like that. And I applied to hundreds of those jobs, but it's so saturated right now that uh, no one was even like, I got very few calls back, very few interviews. And when I did, it was for either part-time work or contract work. And I was like, I have two kids. I have student loan debt. Like I need something that's stable. Um, and I've just been really surprised in a good way by how much I love working at Costco. You know, and again, it goes back to also just that change of scenery. And of course, like you said, you know, people that are working there are people that enjoy working there. And I think like you said too earlier, it was, you know, the people that go and shop there are people that love to go and shop there. So mm -hmm. that's a, that's a great part. And of course, you know, the skills that you do have, and we're talking a little bit about pre-chat is, you know, our, one of our local grocery store here, you know, at least in Texas, H-E-B, they're always yeah. looking for, educators are looking for administrators are looking for people that have exactly like you described those soft skills that educators have that they're able to tra that translate very well into their industry and before you know it they're already like you know managing stores and you know obviously the the pay is going to be something that's going to be you know huge difference there in pay but that's what we're seeing now and but hopefully you know at least with your teacher skills i know that you you know you're talking about instructional design I mean, essentially, that's really what you're doing. You're you're teaching, you know, what's going on, and and of course, I, I see that there could definitely be a future there and stepping up and bringing and with the skills that you do have and bring from the classroom here. That's definitely something that be a big plus. So, yeah, I'm really excited and looking forward to you, but looking forward to what you're doing, but more so the fact that you are happy. <laughs> you know, yeah, I think that's a huge plus. Yeah, there's there's so many people, myself included. Um, who commented on different videos of mine and said almost exactly the same thing, which is when they quit teaching their partner, spouse, whoever said they got their best friend back. Wow. And like, that always stops me in my tracks where it's like, I was so absent from my family and from my home. And like when I was talking to my, my career coach and to my husband about, you know, the different options I had, everybody always notices like a shift in my energy when I talk about Costco Versus like, oh, yeah, well, instructional design, blah, 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 freelancing this. And it's just like, it's the first thing I've been excited about in months. And it, just because it's not a typical transition away from teaching shouldn't mean that, like, you don't do it. You know, like, I'm I'm happy. And that feels really good to say. And it also makes me so sad because it shouldn't feel like it shouldn't be abnormal to be like, I'm happy. But like, that's how bad it was, is that I didn't have this I didn't have it before I, I left and I didn't have it until I got to Costco. Yeah, definitely very important for sure. So Maggie, let's talk a little bit though also because I know that you also recently launched a podcast and yeah. I definitely want to talk a little bit about that too as well. I know that we didn't get to, to talk about it a lot on Saturday, but tell me a little bit about the Bad Teachers Club podcast. Where did that idea come from? So me and my PhD best friend, um, actually, we went to the same undergrad program and then we reconnected at the AMLE conference for middle grades teachers where we were both presenting and we were sitting in the airport flying back to Atlanta and we were like, you know, someday we should do this PhD program. 
And then um, about a year ago, he texted me and was like, guess who's starting the PhD program? And um, so we were both in the same PhD program, like all of the circles coming full circle. And we're just, you know, talking about our, what we're learning and all the, we're having all these conversations where it's the academia aspect, but then also like the real world aspect. And we wanted to like mesh those and have just like real authentic conversations as teachers and as people in, you know, a PhD program. And so we would always in conversation just be like, oh, we should do a podcast. We should have a podcast about this. This is a great conversation. This should be on the podcast. And so we kind of imaginarily invented this podcast. And then we were like, okay, we're starting the podcast. And so we finally did. And though I guess the premise of the Bad Teachers Club is the podcast. The premise of Bad Teachers Club is it's it's cheeky. It's, um, you know, we're not actually bad teachers, but is that education is on fire. It's a dumpster fire. Things are not going well. And we're going to talk about them in a way that's informed, but also just like, like it's critical, but it's informed and there's humor as well. Um, and it's just kind of our back and forth on that. And I just, I enjoy talking about it. Yeah. That's good. I I love it. And you know, it's a nice creative outlet. And I just love the fact, you know, you, you're doing it with your friend, you know, also PhD, working on PhD. And I think that's something that's important. I mean, why not talk about these? These are conversations that need to be had. And sometimes, like I said, I, I applaud you for just being very open about your situation and, and what you went through or you're going through now, because honestly, it does take a lot of courage. There are so many other educators that I look up to that also from TikTok that have actually been here on the show as well, and that they are so courageous and so open about what it is that they're sharing. And of course, you you know did come maybe from uh, maybe, I guess, a district that was you know, would frown upon what you were sharing oh, because yeah. obviously it, it made them look bad. But I know I've seen the other side where I, other content creator friends say, you know, like, yes, I, I'm talking about these things, but I don't get any, you know, any trouble or I guess I don't get anything from my district. You know, they're they're okay and they're supportive because, you know, they, they want to bring that attention to say, like, you know, we need to change things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that that's definitely something that's very, very interesting. And I think on Saturday, you mentioned, too, that there was a, a fellow TikTok uh, friend that you had about, uh, I guess you posted something about the conditions of a room. Can you, uh, can you remind me of that story one more time? Yeah, yeah. The, the TikTok teacher community is kind of all over the place in terms of safety, like their ability to post, you know, so she had posted you know, over the summer, her classroom flooded and she came in to see the damage and truly everything was ruined. And it was just like a video being like, everything is ruined. You know, please help me. Here's my Amazon wish list. And um, she later said that she had lost her contract due to represent being a, like a bad ambassador or like a, a bad representative, not sharing in good light the school because it was implying that the school wasn't going to pay for the supplies because she had to ask for them. And it's not just implying that, like, that's true. But instead of the school being like, you know what, that does look bad. Let's pay for the flood damage to your classroom. Instead of fixing the problem, they got rid of her. And so some people, you know, I know can't even comment on TikTok videos being like, yeah, this is happening at my school too. Or, oh, that's so frustrating because they're afraid that even that comment will get traced back to them. And then you've got other people who are like, my school loves me. I am protected, you know. 
I can, I can dance. I can do silly things. I can lip sync to songs with bad words in them. And I'm just like, I could never, like <laughs> I would have been gone so fast. Um, it's a spectrum. It's truly a spectrum of what you can and cannot do on TikTok. And I think there's also like a, a certain level of unfairness towards what women can and cannot do versus what male content creators can do too. So I don't know. It's a, it's a complex world. I'm fascinated by it. Just like from an anthropological perspective, I think TikTok is fascinating. Yeah, no. And I agree with you with all that human aspect. And of course, like you said, you're seeing a spectrum, you know, going from being supported to not being supported, but then, you know, in between it just, it is heartbreaking that you do see those stories that do not end up well, just because you put, you know, talking about Amazon wish list or a teacher saying like, Hey, you know what, like, you know, we don't get enough time to decorate our room, you know, during, you know, when we come back because we're all in meetings and then you have meet the teacher night and then you don't have anything on your room, but then they get upset and things of that sort. So you hear all sorts of stories from everywhere. So, but again, like you said, it definitely, you know, is something that is out there. It can be fascinating, but for the most part for myself, I'm just like, geez, like I just wish things could be better in the education landscape for sure. And and like you said, the scary thing is, is like it, it could definitely get worse before it's going to get better. So we just need to make sure that, you know, those of us that are still around and sticking through, we definitely, you know, at least help as much as we can. And of course, having these conversations is definitely one of those uh, things, you know, that bringing to light what it is that we can do better because, like your voice. And I, I'm thankful that you are here as a guest because like I was just talking, I was live on Instagram a little earlier saying, you know, with one voice, you can definitely bring to light certain things, but as a collective, we can definitely make a change and we definitely need to, you know, stick together and just to continue to move forward and, and just fight the good fight in that sense, because we, there's many great, amazing teachers that are out there. And for myself, just a student is definitely somebody that, you know, deserves the best, but also at the same time, you know, we want to make sure that we find that balance too as well. So it is, it is an interesting conversation uh, to say the least for sure. Well, you know, Maggie, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate yeah. you being here and again, just sharing your story again and, uh, you know, hearing what you're doing now and that the fact that you're happy really yeah. at least brings a smile to my face because, you know, when I saw that post, I think it was yesterday. And so that's why I wanted to ask you about that today. You know, mm -hmm. I just, you're happy. And, and to me, that's, that's a huge, huge win. That's amazing. So that's awesome. So yes, most definitely. All right, my friend. Well, I really appreciate you being here. And, but before we go, obviously I, I always end the show with three questions that I love to ask my guests just as we kind of wind down the show. But before we do that, Maggie, can you tell our audience members where it is that they can connect with you? Sure. I post all of my like primary content on TikTok and I do push some of it out to like Instagram, but I don't focus there as much. Um, my TikTok is millennial Miss Frizzle, but it's spelled Frizz because somebody has a, the, has the actual Frizzle account, um, but hasn't posted in three years. And so I like want her username, but I can't have it. But anyway, so it's millennial Miss Frizz. And then um, the podcast is Bad Teachers Club or the Bad Teachers Club. And that's on Spotify and I think other places too. Um, yeah, those are my two main places I post content. Perfect. So make sure that you follow her on TikTok. Make sure that you check out the podcast as well. All right, Maggie. So let's go ahead and wrap up our show here with my favorite three questions that I ask all guests. So here is question number one. 
in the current state of education, what would you say is your edu kryptonite? Okay. I think I'll go with the one I shared on Saturday, which is when you get that email at like 11 p.m. and it's an angry parent and they're questioning the grade book or something. Bonus points if you get this on a Friday night. So you have the whole weekend to sit on it. And then you don't respond because it's, you know, you're not contract hours. And then they keep sending emails and sending them until the next day. Uh, there's five emails. And then you get an email from your principal and it says, can you come see me during planning? And you're like, great. Wow. <laughs> wow. And again, I'm just I, I, the same reaction from me, you know, seeing that it's just like, wow. I mean, you know, talk about boundaries and so on. But man, that's that's not a great way to start that Monday or even just walking into that and saying, like, hey, I need to talk to you because you haven't replied to emails that were sent to you Friday evening, Saturday afternoon, yeah. Sunday morning. And, you know, come on. But all right. Mm -hmm. So that's a great answer, Maggie. All right. Question number two. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? I'm going to change my answer on this one. I wanted to just say, drink some water. Like, <laughs> I think everyone's <laughs> just a little dehydrated and a lot of crankiness. Like, drink some water, eat a snack. Like, our whole everybody, we, like our students are this way, right? Like, somebody comes in and you're like, "Are you okay today, Daniel? Like, how are you doing?" And he's like, "No, I'm I'm doing having a horrible day." Like, do you want a snack? Here's some peanut butter crackers. Five minutes later, you're getting a different person. Hydration and snack. Everybody's dehydrated. <laughs> there you go. And you know what? I agree with you on that one. There could be some friends of mine that I could say, hey, you know, have you had enough water today? <laughs> All right. So here's question number three. So let's say that this was one of your podcast episodes. All right. Bad Teacher Club. And I was your guest. What was what would be one question you'd like to ask me? Yeah. So I'd love to have this episode someday um, on my podcast, but I'm really interested in your transition into teaching because it's the opposite of what I've done. And just knowing how that has shaped your perspective as a classroom teacher and just, just all of it. You know, I think a lot mm -hmm. of teachers, people take that traditional route, the cohort model or whatever, and you worked professionally outside education and then came into it. And I would yeah. love to hear that story. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so again, it, it was just one of those moments and I'll, I'll give you like the uh, abbreviated version of it, yeah. but it was just one of those things where I, I was, I said, I never wanted to be a teacher. And I said that from high school on, I was like, and all my friends were going to the university and they're all going through the college of education. I said, no, 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 that's not for me. I want to make money. I want to go into business. So went into business, got my bachelor's in business with a specialization in marketing worked in business for two years. And then there was a fork in the road moment due to uh, one of my parents being ill and of course needing more time. And so I said, I need to find a job where I can have more time to be. And being an only child, I mean, I had to be that support. So I fell into teaching and I absolutely loved it. And like I mentioned, those business skills translated very well into the classroom understanding personalized learning. And I tell people oftentimes I was doing personalized learning before it would even became a cool word or a cool yeah. edgy phrase and so on because of what I did, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I have 30 different customers that I have to sell algebra to and not everybody's going to buy it the same way. So mm -hmm. I need to sell it to them. So that really has always been my thing, the customer service and three words that a friend of mine shared with me, who was a former Marine, he said, you know, the ability to improvise, adapt, and overcome. Yeah. So that really stuck to me for all my teaching career. 
And even until now, just being able to always remind myself of those three things and that'll get you through any situation. So yeah, like I said, 16 years later, I'm still in education and working on my doctorate in education because I absolutely love it. I mean, it's given so much to me and I want to give back to it. And obviously I would love to be somebody that can help change the education landscape. And if it's through these conversations, through this podcast and connecting other educators with other educators and creators such mm -hmm. as yourself, um, with other creators to, you know, make this a better, you know, you know, make education a lot better, then why not? You know, so this is really why I do what I do. But we can definitely get into the longer version later when you invite me on as a guest and we can definitely, uh, you know, go deeper. So that'll be great. But that's the short answer there. <laughs> I love it. Excellent. Well, Maggie, again, thank you so much for your time. And it's a pleasure to get to speak to you twice within a couple of days. <laughs> And yeah. honestly, but honestly, it has just been a great conversation. And I just thank you so much for just being so open, just being so, you know, again, just being yourself and sharing your experiences, because there are many others out there that honestly probably wish that they had or the ability or the courage to okay. speak out. And it's something that we definitely need to do more so we can definitely, you know, improve our situation and, you know, again, just move the education needle forward and get better. So thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to connecting with you later. And of course, make sure that you follow her on TikTok, guys. She definitely has a lot of great content. Make sure you check out the podcast. And thank you all, as always, for supporting our show and making my EdTech life what it is today. Thank you so much because all your support means a lot to me. And thank you so much for um, uh, always just sharing our content, listening to our episodes. It really means a lot. Make sure that you stop by our website at myedtech.life. Make sure that you check out this episode and all our previous amazing episodes as well. Make sure you stop by our store. We've got some amazing merch, guys. We've got some new caps. We've got some new hoodies. Uh, hoodie season is around the corner. So, hey, if you want to contribute to our mission of collecting, of excuse me, connecting educators one show at a time, please make sure you buy yourself a hoodie, buy yourself a cap, buy yourself some stickers, guys. Everything always goes back to the show. And, of course, trying to bring you some more amazing guests as well. So thank you, as always, from the bottom of my heart for all of your support, my friends. Make sure that you join us live this coming Saturday. But as always, my friends, until next time, stay techie.